Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur, a post-Formula 1 race commentary podcast. I hope you're doing well, but if for some reason life is not going as well as you'd like it to, I always say take it to the Lord Jehovah in prayer and hopefully some Formula 1 will cheer you up. Welcome to the podcast channel. My name is Humura Ruth and I host this podcast. If you're new here, thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a review, share the podcast with a friend. And if you've been here from day one or you've been with us for a while now, I really, really appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. Share the podcast with a friend. Make sure you're subscribed. Don't ever miss a Formula One race when you can actually listen to it on ZF1 Amateur. Now, because my podcast is distributed to so many streaming platforms, I decided to join Galas FM, which is a platform that enables me to connect with you, the listener, regardless of where you listen to the podcast from. All you have to do is check the show notes of this podcast episode and you'll find a Galas FM link. Click the link, leave a message, let me know what you think of the podcast, what we could do better, what you've enjoyed, what your opinion has been on the race, and we can start the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. I have been doing this since 2020, so every Formula One race from the end of 2020 till today, you'll you are able to find it on this podcast channel. Just scroll through the podcast episodes and you'll find whatever race you're looking for. Now, today's episode is about the Formula One Rolex Belgian Grand Prix 2022. It is quite exciting because everybody loves racing at Spa. It's just the legendary spa track but uh, because that's a mouthful i'll continuously refer to it as the belgian grand prix so formula one is back after about a three week long break <laughs> i absolutely enjoyed that break it was nice during that time i also watched some formula e if you know me you know i also do formula e i have a formula e podcast called z formula e podcast so we're just wrapping up the formula e season so it was nice and we took a break and in the middle of that break so many things happened we have had drivers you know probably not going to be in the sport next year you know it's being booked for 2023 so it has been a lot going on and i hopefully will do an episode covering what has been going on behind the scenes in formula one but today we're specifically focusing on the belgian grand prix now if you're a formula one veteran i always like to say please bear with me i like to explain certain things that probably are common knowledge to you but bear with me because there are people new to the sport who would love to understand the sport so i always take the time to explain certain things that seem obvious so the formula one belgian grand prix happened between the 26th to the 28th of august if you're new to the sport formula one happens over the course a formula one grand prix weekend happens over the course of three days you have your first your free practice session one and free practice session two usually held on a friday that was the 26th of august then you have your free practice session three and your qualifying session held on the on a Saturday. So in this case, it was the 27th of August. Then you have the race held on a Sunday. And in this case, the race happened on the 28th of August. So the practice sessions are just for, you know, practice. And then the qualifying session sets the grid for the race day. And we'll dive into that later on. So we are in Belgium for the Belgian Grand Prix. The circuit is known as Circuit Despa-Francochamps. And despite the popular, you know, despite the fact that it's normally referred to as spa, we're going to spa, spa. The circuit is actually not in spa. It's in Stavelot. 
Belgium. Now, it was built a long time ago in 1921, and there was the architects were Jules Dittier and Henry Langoil van Ophem. I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing the names, but please bear with me. Now, the original track was quite the long one. It was about 15,000 kilometers long. Not exactly 15,000 kilometers long, but it was about 14,981 kilometers long. So it was still very long for Formula One track. It was very long and it was designed in the shape of a triangle. And that triangle connected Francochamp, Malmedy and Stavelot. And it also incorporated some public roads in it. So it was a pretty long track. And if you know uh, Spa, it's quite hilly. So it was, it, it had a lot of things going on and that made it very dangerous. It was super long and drivers could attain very, very high speeds. A lot of drivers got accidents there. In fact, I, uh, one renowned Formula One driver referred to it as the track that separates the boys from the men. It was that brutal. So because of how dangerous it was, it was redesigned later on, I believe in 1979, and that is the track that we use right now. So the current track is just 7,000 kilometers long, literally half of what it was before. That's about 4.3 miles, if you prefer miles. And drivers cover a race distance of about 308 kilometers. That is about 100 and 91.414 miles now it has two drs zones and 20 tons so it's quite an exciting track nevertheless especially because it has like different inclines and it's beautiful hands down trucks like uh the uh, the one in portugal uh spa the Paul Ricard, those are very beautiful tracks for racing, regardless of the sport, whether Formula One, MotoGP, whatever it is, they're just absolutely stunning. And the one at Spa is beautiful. 20 tons, some of them, you might know them. There's, please bear with me, I do not speak French, but I'm going to try to pronounce them. There's the La Sauce, Raid Leon, Ah Rouge. There's the Kimo Strait, there's La Combe, there's Bruxelles, there's Paul Bon, Campus. Stavelot, there's Cobb Paul Ferret, there's Blanchimon, and then Chicane. So there's a number of tons there. Quite exciting. I think if you're like a Formula One veteran, you definitely know what I am talking about. It is one of those places everybody loves to race. Now, Drivers do 308 kilometers in terms of race distance. I say that before. They do about 44 laps. It's quite a long track, so you don't expect to have like 70 laps. And the previous lap record was held by Valtteri Bottas. I believe he set it in 2018. It was a 1 minute point four six point two eight six. It's also, I forgot to mention this, it's the 78th time we're racing here in Belgium as Formula One. So it's one of those very historic tracks that we've had on the calendar for a very, very long time. Now, last year we had a race here. Max Verstappen began on pole position and won the race. George Russell came home second in a Williams car and he was followed by Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes. But last year's race was also quite interesting because... It may not have been a race in itself because we only had just two laps and that was because the track was wet. And I think that's another thing that is known about Spa is that the weather conditions are quite unpredictable. So due to wet conditions, we only had two laps of racing and they were done behind a safety car. 
And then while we were in the third lap of racing, the red flag came out and ended the race because of how dangerous it could have been if drivers went on racing under those conditions. At the end of the day, half points were given to drivers who finished in the top 10 positions. So that's just a summary of the Belgian Grand Prix. Let's take a short break and when we return, we'll dive into the qualifying session for the 2022 Belgian Grand Prix. Okay, sorry for interrupting the show, but you probably love motorsport because you're listening to my podcast and I'm grateful for that. So if you love Formula E motorsport, the motorsport series, why not listen to my newest Formula E podcast called Z Formula E podcast? It's all about motorsport. I bring you the latest races in motorsport, the drivers, what happens in the tracks and off the tracks, and why Formula E is a newer sport you should be interested in. So just look for Z Formula E podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E podcast and you'll be sure to listen in. And then, aside from that, yes, I'm a woman of many talents and many passions. I also have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. As you know, I am from Uganda. I'm from Kampala, Uganda. And I love to share the beauty of Uganda with the rest of the world, which is why I started my other podcast called Z Humura Show. So if you'd be interested in that, just look for Z Humura Show on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Humura Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One welcome back from that short break now let's dive into the qualifying session for the 2022 belgian grand prix now if you're new to formula one formula one has a qualifying session that usually happens on the saturday before the race day on sunday and the qualifying session is intended to set the grid for sunday because you have 10 teams in formula one and each team has two drivers so that's about 20 drivers and because of the way the circuit is built in formula one you can't have all 20 drivers begin on the same line on the race day so to determine who starts at the front who starts in the middle who starts at the back you have a qualifying session now, the qualifying session lasts an hour on a Saturday, usually in the afternoon, and it is divided into three knockout stages. You have quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. But if you want to sound like a Formula One pro, you say Q1, Q2, Q3. Now, in between each Q session, you have a time interval for like resting and changing your car and everything. Now, Q1 lasts about, I believe, um, 18 minutes. It should be 18 minutes, 15 minutes, 12 minutes, or 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 18 minutes. But Q1 should last about 18 minutes. And what happens is that you have 20 cars, 20 drivers go out onto the truck, try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. Now, at the end of the session, the five slowest of the 20 cars are eliminated from further qualification. So the five slowest of the 20 cars occupy the last five places on the grid come the race day on Sunday. Then you have a break. Then you come back for Q2. In Q2, it usually lasts for 15 minutes. And now you have about 15 cars. They all go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. And at the end of the session, the five slowest cars occupy places 11 to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 to 15 on the grid. Then you have a short break. 
After the show break, you come back for Q3. Q3 lasts about 12 minutes, I believe. I stand to be corrected in that one. But it lasts about 12 minutes and then you have 10 cars go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, the cars are organized according to the way um, they scored on the leaderboard. So at, if at the end of Q1 you are the 8th fastest, that means come race day on Sunday, you're going to line up on the 8th spot on the grid. If you are the very fastest overall, even Q3, come race day on Sunday, you're going to start on pole position. If you're the second fastest in Q3, come race day on Sunday, you're going to start in the second place. And the cars and during the race day on Sunday, start, uh, they're organized in two rows. If you notice, you'll see that you have first place, second place, first, third place, fourth place, like that, in two columns, in two rows, sorry. So I hope that makes so much sense. It's actually two columns, not two rows, in two columns. I hope that makes sense. So for this qualification, it went on, um, like I would say, normal. Not much happened, with the exception maybe in Q1, Yuki Tsunoda had like a smoking front tire. And I think that affected his qualification times because the five drivers that were eliminated in Q1 were Sebastian Vettel. This guy has won four world championships. Sebastian Vettel, Nicolas Latifi, Kevin Magnussen, Yuki Tsunoda and Valtteri Bottas. Then in Q2, for the first time, Alex Albon actually survived Q2 and made it to Q3. So that was pretty exciting for the first time since he came back to Formula 1. And um, at the end of Q2, it was Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly, Joe Guanyu, Lance Stroll and Mick Schumacher that were eliminated from further qualification. In Q3, with about only seven minutes left in the clock, Alex Albon was in provisional pole. And I tell you, I was rooting for him. But eventually, he didn't make it to um, pole position. But nevertheless, he was in pole, provisional pole for a while there. So it was quite exciting to see a Williams car do that. And um, that's pretty much what qualifying went like. So here is how the grid qualified for the 2022 Formula 1 Belgian Grand Prix. Maybe before I read out the race results, Eight drivers were actually given a penalty for exceeding engine component limits. And those eight drivers were Max Verstappen. So Max had qualified on pole position, but because he exceeded the uh, engine component limits, he's meant to start, I believe, from the back of the grid. Same thing to Esteban Ocon, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda, Charles Leclerc, Mick Schumacher, Joe Guanyu, and Valtteri Bottas. But then by the time we finished the qualifying session, this is what uh, the qualification leaderboard looked like. Max Verstappen qualified on pole, although he has the penalty coming in. So he will start from the back, like I said earlier. That means Carlos Sainz Jr., who qualified second, now takes pole position. How exciting for him. Sergio Perez qualified third. Charles Leclerc qualified fourth. Esteban Ocon qualified fifth. And because of the penalty, he's definitely not starting there. Fernando Alonso qualified 6th, Lewis Hamilton qualified 7th, George Russell qualified 8th, Alex Albon qualified 9th, and Lando Norris qualified 10th. In 11th place was Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly qualified 12th, Jogwen New qualified 13th, Lance Stroll qualified 14th, Mick Schumacher qualified 15th, Sebastian Vettel qualified 16th, Nicolas Latifi qualified 17th, Kevin Magnussen qualified 18th, Yuki Tsunoda qualified 19th and Valtteri Bottas qualified 20th. 
So that is the res that, those are the results from the qualifying session. But come race day on Sunday, they are going to change because you have eight drivers who have penalties to serve. So some of them are going to move to the back and others are going to move forward up the grid. All right, let's take a short break. When I return, we'll go through the race itself. Welcome back from that short break. Now let's dive into the race itself. Now we are racing at the longest circuit on the Formula One calendar this year. And also it is a track with the greatest elevation. So that's pretty exciting. And also more exciting news is the fact that we'll be racing here again in 2023. So once again, it's a 7,000 kilometer circuit. So it's pretty long. It has 19 turns and two DRS zones, but we only get Get to do 44 laps here in spa all right let's dive into the race so 20 drivers out into the truck most of the drivers had medium tires with the exception of carlos Sainz jr and max verstappen who are driving on soft tires we also had yuki sonoda who was driving on the hard tires if you're new to formula one usually we have three tire compounds during a race the hard tire the soft tire and the medium tire the hard tire lasts the longest during the race in terms of endurance it's going it lasts about could last for 30 laps so it lasts really long during the race but it's the slowest then you have the soft tire which is the fastest but it wears out pretty quickly and then the medium tire is a balance of both so you have to make your choice wisely depending on the track and where you're starting on the track itself so you've got to be really really careful with that so 44 laps let's get into it now lap one carlos Sainz jr who began in pole position because max verstappen had suffered an, an engine penalty so he began i believe in 14th place so carlos Sainz jr began in pole position he got off really well into the first turn he was ahead of all the other 19 drivers sergio perez Sergio Perez unfortunately dropped down the grid. He lost a few positions. That's something that happens a lot. Sometimes at the start of a race, you either make up a few places or you lose a few places. I think it depends on your reaction time, your car, and then the people around you as well. Now, we also saw some wheel-to-wheel -wheel action between um, Sebastian Vettel and Daniel Ricciardo, both ex-Red Bull drivers. They were going at it side by side, and I was think they almost touched but they did not touch uh Lance Stroll ended up onto the gravel um Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso made contact with each other <laughs> it was not good they made contact with each other they got into the gravel we had temporary yellow flags and then they go back onto the track and then the yellow flag was cleared but after all this collusion Fernando Alonso made it ahead of Lewis Hamilton, so he placed himself up into fourth place. But Lewis started losing pace and started dropping down the grid, so he dropped down to 20th place. Eventually, his engineer told him to stop because it just did not make sense. I think the car was really, really damaged. Now, on lap two, Lewis's former teammate Valtteri Bottas gets tagged by Nicolas Latifi so Bottas ends up onto the gravel brushes past the gravel I mean the barrier onto the grass and then back onto the gravel and then his car just stops so that's another driver that got out of the race so we had yellow flags so within two laps we had two drivers out already Sir Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas now, on the third lap, Charles Leclerc comes onto the radio and 
he came onto the radio and started complaining that I think he had some smoke coming from the front of his car. And that's when he's immediately called to the pits. And when he pits, he comes back on the track in 17th place. Now, the person behind him, Nicholas uh, Latifi, also pits and returns to the track in 18th place. So those are the two drivers on the grid at the bottom. We get to lap four. Carlos Sainz Jr. in first place. He's really trying to defend his position, but unfortunately, he looks up as they're about to make a turn, and Sergio Perez tries to take advantage of that, but he fails. And instead, Sergio Perez also looks up, and the person behind him, George Russell, tries to take advantage of that lookup, but fails. Now, meanwhile, behind George Russell was Fernando Alonso, who was in fourth place, is now you know less than a second away from george russell so george russell could not afford to make any mistakes lap seven max Verstappen. by this particular moment he was up into fifth place so remember he began from 14th and now in fifth place he was just about six seconds away from carlos Sainz, the race leader that just goes to show you how fast the car is and how talented max Verstappen is you need a mix of both to really become a champion in formula one i believe to really be good at it you need a mix of both now Still on that same lap, Max Verstappen overtook Fernando Alonso for fourth place. And in the next lap, lap eight, Max Verstappen overtook George Russell for third place. Now, by the time we get to lap nine, it's Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez in second place, and ahead of him is Carlos Sainz Jr. But by lap nine, Max Verstappen is just two seconds away from Carlos Sainz Jr., now we get to lap 10 and Charles Leclerc, who at one particular moment was running in 17th place, is now running in 12th place behind Landon Norris. So obviously Landon Norris is in 11th and Charles Leclerc is in 12th place, which I thought was pretty cool. He had made five overtakes within that short space. We get to lap 11. Carlos Sainz tires are about 11 laps old. And he has started suffering from degradation. In fact, he started losing pace around that particular moment. Down the grid, Carlos, I mean, Pierre Gasly was running in last place now. He was running in 17th place behind Alex Albon and Mick Schumacher. And then back at the top of the grid, still in this particular lap, Max Verstappen was now less than a second away from Sergio Perez. And it was at this particular moment when people were wondering, should the team orders be put into play? Should you no know, Red Bull ask Perez to just give way to, you know, Max? So Perez goes behind Max and then Max starts chasing down Carlos Sainz Jr. for first place. So that was the, the debate going on. Now we go to lap 12. Carlos Sainz Jr., who's running in first place, decides to pits he comes out of the pit stops in sixth place behind daniel ricardo and now at the top is sergio perez in first place max verstappen in second place george russell in third place sebastian vettel in fourth place now back to charles leclerc he had now placed himself up into ninth place after making two overtakes one on lando norris and the other on joe guan Yu. and um we get to lap 13 Daniel Ricardo, who had been overtaken by Carlos Sainz, pits. He was running in sixth place. He pits, comes out of the pits in 15th place. 
And uh, it's uh, important to remember, by the way, unfortunately, Daniel Ricciardo won't be renewing his contract. He, not renewing his contract, but he won't be driving for McLaren next year. So that is pretty sad. He's like the happiest guy in the paddock. And then he's just been dealt with a bad hand. Tough hand, I should say. Um, still, um, I think I'll do a separate podcast episode on what's happening in Formula One because a lot has been going on. A lot has been going on. Still, in lap 13, though, Esteban Ocon, who was in 10th place, decides to go to the pits and comes out in 16th place. Now, if you're getting into the Formula One spot, you might wonder why is the people losing a lot of positions when they pit. Well, it depends on your strategy and also the times, you know, on the track. Sometimes you can gain places, sometimes you can lose places. You gain track position, lose track position. And let's say, for example, I don't know how I'm going to explain this, actually. But I'll give you an example that may not be realistic. But if I was a driver and I'm on the track and I'm running in second place and the person behind me in third place is about 10 seconds away from me, if I made a pit stop for about two seconds and I come back into the track, I probably won't lose my place because, you know, I would have just cut down the gap between myself and himself to about, you know, about five seconds or so. So that's how it works. But if I was in second place and the gap between me and the person behind me was less than a second and I went to the pits, automatically I'm going to come out of the pits behind them. So that's how you lose a place in the track or you gain a place in the track. And you can't necessarily always wait to have a very large gap between yourself and the person behind you in order to pit because that may not happen. And as you're waiting and waiting, your tires are getting older, you're just losing pace and everything is just worsening. So it's just better to just be very strategic with it and just pick the right time to pit. That's why you have race strategists. Now, we get to lap 14 and Carlos Sainz Jr., who is running in fifth place, managed to overtake Sebastian Vettel in fourth place. So now Carlos is in fourth place. Elsewhere, his teammate Charles Leclerc is close by in sixth place. Now, Sergio Perez, who is running in second place on mediums, is called to the pits to box. So he pits, gets out of the pits in third place behind Ferrari. That is Carlos Sainz in third place, but still ahead of another Ferrari. That is Charles Leclerc in fourth place. So he was literally sandwiched between the Ferraris. Lap 15, Charles Leclerc on the, in the Ferrari has DRS and Sergio Perez, but somehow Sergio Perez holds him off, which is quite interesting because... Um, he has dear, you know, his tires are warmer, much warmer than Sergio Perez. So I would have thought it would have been easier for him to make the overtake. But I guess the Red Bull and the driver in it were just too strong for that. Now we get to lap 16. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Max Verstappen, who's running in first place, decides to pit. And then he comes out in second place ahead of Sergio Perez, who's his teammate. But behind Carlos Sainz in the ferrari now carlos Sainz is running in sec in first place and then it's him and his teammate there now elsewhere still on that particular lap george russell starts to gain on charles leclerc at Rouge. Uh, he manages to underbreak and then eventually makes the overtake on charles leclerc that was quite exciting to see so now it's carlos Sainz in first place max verstappen in second sergio perez in third russell in fourth and charles leclerc who's in fifth because he has just been overtaken we get to lap 16 and now exciting times for the dad for the max verstappen fans max who began the race i believe in 14th place 
overtakes Carlos Sainz Jr. for first place. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a, the point. That's the moment when Carlos Sainz Jr. started to lead the Belgian Grand Prix. Now we get to lap 19. And I want you to remember that on lap 11, Pierre Gasly was running in last place in 17th place. And he was behind Alex Albon and Mick Schumacher. So he was literally the last in the grid. But by lap 19, he was now running in 11th place ahead of Lance Stroll, Lando Norris, Joe Guanyu, Kevin Magnussen, Mick Schumacher, Yuki Tsunoda and Nicolas Latifi. It was just one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, he's actually a really good driver. I mean, I never doubted it, but sometimes it's easy to not see it. Now, we get to lap 23. Still talking about Pierre Gasly. He pits for the second time in the race. And unfortunately, he comes out in 17th place. So he goes back to where it all began. We get to lap 26. Carlos Sainz Jr., who's in third place, he started the race on soft tyres. He had pitted for medium tyres, and now he pits again for hard tyres. So that essentially means that he, that that um, they don't want him to pit again because you're getting on the hard tyres. They should most definitely last till the end of the race because you're literally halfway through the race. So when he pits, he comes out in fourth place, so he doesn't lose much on track. And uh, he comes out in fourth place behind George Russell, Sergio Perez, and Max Verstappen. Now, his teammate Charles Leclerc also decides to pit and he comes out in 7th place. Fernando Alonso in 8th place also pits and comes out in 13th place. We get to lap 27. Lance Stroll also decides to pit for hard tyres and unfortunately he comes out in the last place. Alex Albon pits also and he comes out onto the track in the 16th place. Lap 28, we still have other drivers pitting. Sergio Perez in second place pits and comes out in third place behind George Russell and Max Verstappen. Then the next lap, lap 29, George Russell in second place is called to pit. But see, the thing is, George Russell actually didn't go to the pit. So people were like, okay, I was like, was it a dummy call? But if it was, then I didn't understand the essence of it. Because anyway, eventually lap 30, George Russell in second place, he pits. And he comes out in fourth place behind Carlos Sainz Jr. Now, at the back of the grid, uh, not at the back of the grid, but somewhere in the middle of the grid, Kevin Magnussen is shown black and orange flags. And those flags mean that you should come to the pits and repair your car. If a driver is ever shown those flags, it means they should come to the pits and do some checkups in the car or repair the car. The reason that was shown to Kevin Magnussen was because he had debris, I believe, something hanging off his car, something like that. Now, still on that same lap, Lando Norris in 12th place is called to pits. Um, it's called to the pits to get medium tires. He actually goes to the pits and comes out into 15th place. I believe that was an undercut on his teammate, Daniel Ricciardo. Now we get to lap 31. Max Verstappen, who's leading the race, <laughs> has not had anyone to overtake this entire time, decides to pit and he still comes out in first place on the track. Lap 33, we have Lando Norris's teammate, Daniel Ricciardo, who's running in 10th place, pitting and then coming out of the pits in 15th place. Another driver who pitted was Sebastian Vettel. He pitted in lap 34. He was running in 6th place. He pits and comes out in 8th place behind Pierre Gasly.
Now on lot 39, Landonori starts complaining about the car. He says he's starting to really struggle with the car, but he's told by his team engineer that there's nothing that they could do to solve it because we only have, you know, we do 44 laps at Spa. So we're in lap 39, surely it doesn't make sense to pit and fix the car. You're going to just lose so much on the track. Now we get to lap 40 and we realize that, um, I think it's been a really long time since we last had a race where um uh, less than two drivers have been lapped. Did I say it right? Usually in races, you have more than one driver being lapped. But at this particular race in Spa, only one driver had been lapped by Max Verstappen, and that was Nicolas Latifi. And I stand to be corrected on this one, but I think that is because the track is really too long. With a smaller track, you get to over to lap cars more compared to a longer track because there's uh, more uh, more race distance for you to cover as a driver so by the time you cover the entire race distance and catch up with another car it's just really long so we only had one driver who had been lapped by lap 40 i stand to be corrected on that one but anyway we get to lap 43 the second last lap of the race and uh, charles leclerc who is running in fifth place is called to the pits for soft tires and uh, like i said before soft tires are the fastest tires in formula one at the moment so he's called to put on the soft tires and that is because they want Wanting to set the fastest lap so that at least they still a point away from the Red Bulls who are literally winning the race. But the issue is that it backfires on them. Charles Leclerc was in fifth place. He pits, he comes out of the pits in fifth place. But uh, the person behind him is Fernando Alonso, and Fernando Alonso has DRS on him, so he eventually overtakes Fernando Alonso, and that pushes Charles Leclerc down to sixth place. But nevertheless, they took the fastest lap of the race. And that is how the Formula One Belgian Grand Prix went. Let me know what you think. But first, here are your race results. Max Verstappen won the race. Sergio Perez came home second. Carlos Sainz Jr. came home third. George Russell finished fourth. Fernando Alonso finished fifth. Charles Leclerc finished sixth. Esteban Ocon finished seventh. Sebastian Vettel finished eighth. Pierre Gasly finished ninth. Alex Albon finished tenth. Lance Stroll finished eleventh. Lando Norris finished twelfth. And Yuki Tsunoda finished thirteenth. Joguan Yu finished fourteenth. And Daniel Ricardo finished 15th, Kevin Magnussen finished 16th, Mick Schumacher finished 17th, Nicolas Latifi finished 18th, and the last two drivers had DNFs. That was Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. I hope you enjoyed this race as much as I did. It was the 14th round of racing this season in Formula 1. The next round of racing will be in Max Verstappen's home country, that is the Netherlands, and it will be from the 2nd to the 4th of September. That will be the Formula 1 Heineken Dutch Grand Prix. And thereafter, from the 9th to the 11th of September, we'll be in Italy for the 16th round of racing. And thereafter, we'll be in Singapore for the 17th round of racing from the 30th to the 2nd of October. I hope you enjoyed this race as much as I did. I did. Please let me know what I think. What you think, sorry. <laughs> Please let me know what you think of this race. You can, um, there's a link in the show notes of this podcast episode. It's a link that directs you to Galas FM. And there you're able to interact with me and to fellow other podcast listeners. You can let me know what you think of this podcast episode. What you think of the race. It was 
quite an interesting one. It was Max Verstappen's ninth Formula One win this year. And um, it's his second time to win the Belgian Grand Prix in a row. He won last year under wet conditions. He has won this year under dry conditions. So I think it's safe to say that uh, the Belgian uh, circuit is his track you know it separates the boys from the men he's now a man there a list on the track there so thank you so much for listening in don't forget to click the link there and let me know what you think of the podcast episodes and uh, what you like to see more and what has stood out more for you you can also connect with me on instagram my handle is at humura ruth that is spelled as h-u-m-u-r-a underscore ruth and on twitter my handle is at motorsports podcaster my email address is mbabaziruth77 at gmail.com. That is spelled as M-B-A-B-A-Z-I-R-U-T-H 77 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in. I will see you next time in the Netherlands.